Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel and Kim, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. On today's US Open Round 1 catch-up. Serena on song on opening night. Halep, Sissipas and Fritz suffer shock exits. And Andy Murray fires past Francisco Serendola. Kim, today is the 30th of August and we are here to catch up on the US Open round one at Tennis Weekly HQ. Yes, I am fully aware the night session hasn't started yet and round one is still going on, but alas, the time zones are against us in the UK. But at the same time, there is so much to catch up on already. Shocks galore, particularly on day one. Halep, Sissipas, Taylor Fritz and Daria Kasatkina losing to Harriet Dart. It was all going on. Lots of big seeds, lots of favourites, lots of action that really started the US Open with a bang that I can't really remember a Grand Slam this year delivering so much specifically on day one. Yeah, I think a lot of slams have begun quite sedately of late and mm. it's taken a few days to get that big <laughs> win or shock. And yeah, today, boom. Like, no we, messing about. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been it's been great. Lots to talk about from, from yesterday in particular. Not so much so far today the Tuesday but mm. you know uh, yesterday is more than more than made up for that um and I mean just before we kind of touch on that Joel I've uh, had some disappointing you know disappointment with uh, Fernando oh. Vadasco going out oh, I thought you were going to say collect a set for a second well I mean that has been blown apart by two <laughs> two of our picks just going out in the first mm. round so I have to say no one has got Halep or uh, Taylor Fritz's prediction correct <laughs> I was wondering if anyone was even going to be close to that, but nope. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, I mean, you would have you would have had incredible foresight to have to have seen those those two results coming as they did. We um yeah had very high hopes for Taylor Fritz based on you know Wimbledon mm. and Indian Wells and just the way the draw has gone. And yeah, I, I who would have thought he'd lose to Tracy Austin's son. In the first round <laughs> wow. of the US Open. Yeah, I didn't even know Tracy Austin had a son who played tennis. But yeah, we'll we'll touch base on that in due course. I mean, let's let's start without further ado. Let's go back to yesterday. Let, let's start with uh, the night session because we had Serena Williams uh, rocking up uh, onto court for what could have been her final match. It, it isn't her final match. She, she lives to fight another day. She came through against Danka Kovinic 6-3, 6-3. But I guess aside from the tennis, what was most notable was, um, you know, her outfit. Uh, (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. The diamonds. I loved it. The glitter, the glam. I loved the sort of skirt cape trail. um, (laughs) The sparkles. It was great. Really, really nice. I mean, trust Serena to to come, you know, dressed up to the occasion. It added that extra element. And, you know, there were lots of celebrities in in attendance. So uh, obviously it was the place to be in in New York last night and she put on a performance and Olympia also had a matching outfit didn't she yeah she was in the sparkles as well and she had like the beads in her hair which I think was reminiscent of Serena's Mm. first match at the US Open back in the 90s so a bit of a homage to that so yeah she was she was dressed up taking photos I always associate those beads with there's a show in the UK called a question of sport and there's a round in it called what happens next and I remember a clip of like the beads I think from Serena Williams's hair kind of falling out around that period and a let was played but I remember the umpire saying if that happens again you 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 know you forfeit you forfeit the point and I I always associate those beads with yes really iconic look really cool and you know you don't often see that on a tennis court but I think I would just get so much anxiety around if one bead fell out and am I going to have to play a let because of it? 
Yeah, and they'd just like be scrambling around on the court <laughs> trying to like yes. get all the beads. <laughs> yeah, it's like when an earring falls out, you're like, where did it go? Um, to be fair, if I was a ball boy, <laughs> I would just be like trying to find the beads, put it in my pocket, maybe, you know, put it up on eBay a little bit later. <laughs> so callous <laughs> to sell it, yeah. Um, I mean, it was the largest attendance ever recorded for a night session on Arthur Ashe. So um, mm. I think the day session as well set a record. Um, I think in the US Open history, it was the second highest single day attendance in total. So just over 70,000 people. So a bit of a contrast to Wimbledon, uh, where the numbers are a lot lower than usual. Um, obviously, everyone out you know, at the US Open, I guess sparked on by the Serena effect. They want to, you know, soak up her her presence for the last time. And um, you know, I mean, also really humid though, really hot and humid. So not a not the most pleasant conditions to be playing or watching tennis in if if you're there in person. But um yeah, Serena did did well. She came through a uh, bit of an iffy first set, a lot of breaks of serve, but she managed to to break for, you know, five three in the first set and from there on, you know, she was a bit more comfortable and she came through in straight sets. And I mean, given the fact that she really hasn't played very much, um, I think it was only her fifth tour level match in just over a year. Only her second win in that time. Uh, I know Chris was, uh, well, we were both very like thinking that Serena wasn't going to win. I think Chris was a bit more positive in our preview uh, pod. But I mean, yeah, I think actually her winning in straights kind of surprised me. Um Maybe it maybe it shouldn't have done, but <laughs> to me it was a little bit of a surprising performance with how easily you know she came through. I think particularly that second set, it looked a lot better. I thought her her movement was again the best we've seen in, in a long time. I just compare it back to that you know that match against Emma Raducanu at, at Cincinnati where she just wasn't really even in picture or you know ready to to take the ball. Um, you know, from the back of the court in the majority of the rallies with with Raducanu and and here, yeah, I thought her movement was much much better. Even when Kovinic was bringing out uh, drop shots, Williams was able to kind of chase them down, and she was to kind of also, I think, just able to change momentum of of points that looked like they were going Kovinic's way, but Williams was able to kind of do the the counter punching that we've not really seen. I feel you know, in her performances um, since kind of coming back. And um, yeah, it was impressive. Of course, the the atmosphere was electric. And, you know, I did feel in, in that first set, there was a little bit of nerves there from, from both sides. Hence, I think quite a few breaks of serve. But I think as, as it went on, I think Williams really kind of rose to the occasion. And I mean, you know, won an occasion. The fact that it was, you know, near capacity on day one, in the evening session for a lot of people this you know was going to be their moment that they may have seen Serena Williams retired and I think you know the tournament organizers probably certainly felt that given the you know the the ceremony and the occasion that they built particularly around this round one encounter yeah exactly and I think um I mean some people were you know yourself included Joel you said to me before mm. we started recording why did they not wait till Serena's last match for sure to yeah. do the the video and the ceremony and everything? But I guess I guess they didn't, you know, there's no guarantee and everyone was sort of coming for this mm. night session. So it is a bit odd, you know, she's she's going to be back on court against Contivate. She might then lose and just bow out. I'm sure there'll be a, a rapturous, you know, standing ovation, but there won't be any of the other sort of um, stuff around that. But I guess from an organisation point of view, they kind of, thought let's do it first round if you're a player if if you are a player would you have preferred having the you know if you know fixed on an occasion on round one doesn't matter if you're going to win or lose we're going to do it here because it felt very much to me with you know the big we love serena mosaic Mm. sign in in the crowd family coming out on court it felt very much kind of a you know a, a celebration but for me it's a little bit odd yeah, in the sense that I associate normally kind of retirements with coming after defeats. And I get that that is not as positive. And I imagine the tournament organisers want to just keep that energy up as much as possible, especially on on opening night. So I can understand why they've done it. Yeah, but for me, naturally, I'm like, shouldn't it just be the last match of your career? 
I guess they could have done it at a later date. So she could have played and lost and then they mm. could have just put something into a night session schedule like the day after, perhaps. But what's done is done. Um, she does live to fight another day. Contivate came through her first round, I think only dropping three games. So maybe she's coming into a bit more form as well. So that mm. will set it up nicely for a second round encounter between the two of them. I would imagine that's well, is that the night session for tomorrow? Must be. Yes, uh, yes it, it is. is. I, I was going to say that that's got night session kind of written all over it, perhaps. And I'm I'm quite curious. I, I do think Serena has a good chance um, to to win that. Still, yeah. I mean, I I personally yeah, I would agree. would really love Serena to go on a bit of a run here and to delay the inevitable as long as possible. And she did say, you know, it's when she does perform better on, you know, like she did against Kovinic, it sort of gives her. I don't know, like maybe doubt that whether retiring is the right thing because she's like, you know, she she knows that she can still play well and and be out there. And it's, you know, does she then start to question what she's doing? But I mean, she hasn't, I guess she has used um, the term evolve, Elusive language. evolving rather than retiring. <laughs> so I guess there's still room for, you know, a comeback when she's mm. 55 or, or what have you. <laughs> um, but uh, one thing before we move on, Joel, as well, I know Billie Jean King was uh, out and about in attendance. You'll be pleased to know that she was wearing her magenta jacket again, oh, which I know you love classic. very much. Iconic. So. <laughs> so iconic. So iconic. Absolutely. But uh, what I thought was funny, Kim, was I enjoyed, I, I noticed quite a few commentators say, you know, they put so much emphasis into, or so much effort into Serena Williams' outfit. Didn't think so much about Bianca Andreescu's outfit, who was so, like, annoyed with her dress, given the gusty conditions during the day session. She actually changed her skirt into shorts uh, during her match. She pleaded with the umpire. She uh, she basically badmouthed Nike to a point she bizarrely had to come out before the end of the day to apologize tonight saying i love them i want to be with them forever um so i don't know if she was scared of being being dropped but um, it was quite it was quite funny to see that contrast of we're having this amazing all glitz all glam outfit on the on on ash but yeah for bianca andrescu she was having none of it with her the, the outfit that she was given yeah, and of course Serena wears Nike, so they've they've created this <laughs> lovely thing for Serena, and then obviously Andrescu's not happy with with the skirt. <laughs> and yeah, I mean she she kind of was like, oh, it's not my fault, it's Nike's fault. This dress is so bad. Um, mm. she did have to rectify that, and she said that she hoped she would be with Nike for the rest of her life slash career. So I hope she's done amends with the you know the sponsorship side of things. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she basically was pleading with the umpire blaming it on the dress because mm. she didn't want to use up one of her like bathroom breaks or you know ch um dress change drape uh oh gosh dress change breaks. Um, you know, when she was kind of making the point that it's not because she just needs to change, it's because she physically can't play. It's that bad because uh, of the outfit. But um, she she came through in three sets against Harmony Tan. So a bit of a funny scoreline, six love, three, six, six, one. But she is, um, yeah, through. And she's got a really uh, interesting match. Uh, Hadad Meyer next round, who double bageled Anna Konya. So it, does that mean Hadad Meyer is absolutely going to route her way through this tournament or do you think that yeah. was maybe Anna Konya just having an absolute nightmare yeah <laughs> I'm, I mean I think it's one of, of she's one of the players who is so far I mean we're very early days but based on that one match you know she is in red hot form she's been playing great you know since since the grass court you know since the grass court so Andresi is going to have a a real battle on her hands i think that is also scheduled for the night session uh tomorrow tomorrow night so i'll be really curious to see how that goes and also more importantly kim is andressa going to come back out in the in the skirt or is she going to be in the shorts Are the shorts now a good luck charm for her well it might depend on the wind no wind in the night session you would assume so yeah i would assume the wind will have dropped at night so she might be back <laughs> out but i'm sure all eyes will be on yeah uh, mm. what, what she comes out wearing um i mean Caroline Garcia is also through, Coco Goff, uh, Contemplate, we mentioned on Jabor. So some comfortable wins for those guys. And um, on the men's side, Daniel Medvedev coming through easily. And Nick Kyrgios, comfortable win over Kokinakis. Uh, but I guess the real stories from day one were, for me, two of the top 
male seeds out um, in four sets. Uh, Taylor Fritz, let's start with him. You know, many people had very high hopes for Taylor Fritz, including everyone who took part in our collector set. Um, and he w- he lost to Brandon Holt, a qualifier who's playing his first Grand Slam. It's his home tournament. You know, he's, he's ranked, I think, around the 300s in the world. Um, you know, has been sort of, I think, quite a top uh, college player at the, you know, USC. Um, but really had his kind of professional entry onto the tour, a bit delayed by by COVID and, and some injury. Um, but here he is playing in his first Grand Slam. And what a way to to get your Grand Slam career off by beating, you know, the 10th seed uh, in four sets. And and also a really hard fought um, victory, you know, not not going away. Like he, Taylor Fritz certainly had his chances. He could have gone two sets up. And you kind of think if he had, it might have been a very different story. But the resilience that Brandon Holt showed, particularly um, to, to come through and, and get this win, was was very, very impressive. Yeah, and certainly in that second set where he faced three set points when you know he was serving at 5-6, was able to bat them away and then kind of take it through in, in the tiebreak. And I think... You know, one of the reasons I think Taylor Fritz lost that match was you talk about kind of Brandon Holt and how he was very resilient in in those moments he needed to be. Well, it felt like Taylor Fritz, the longer that match went on, the more um, adversity he was facing. It just didn't feel like he really had, I think, the belief that he was going to be able to come through this. And I don't know if that is because he, I, I don't know, lacks you know lacks different uh, strategies or, or a plan B, but it certainly felt that he just ran out of ideas in terms of what do I do to, to beat this guy? Maybe he, he, he was caught a little bit by surprise when you know he didn't take that that second set. And going into that third third and fourth set, I think he he hit a little bit kind of panic mode, didn't really know what to do. And you know, we've seen in the past, I think, with with Taylor Fritz, I always, you know, think back to his match at Wimbledon against Nadal, where again he he had opportunities, but again when he was faced with real adversity he wasn't able to to just get the job done and and arguably lacked a little bit of killer instinct and I think that was again on show here and uh again it was I think you know tough tough conditions as well there may be a bit of a, a fatigue involved I think I'm, I think with Fritz again there's a little bit of a question around when matches do go long how long can he he last but Brandon Holt was certainly up to the challenge and yeah, fantastic win for him to come through in four sets. And I always think him with these American versus American matchups, regardless of the rankings, because naturally they've probably come through the same system. They've probably played college tennis. They may have even played with each other in, you know, in, in the juniors. Like, it's not like they're a complete unknown entity. And I think that would also have given belief to Brandon Holt that he could pull off a surprise victory yeah he probably knows Fritz's game fairly well and you know has mm. maybe maybe practiced and trained with him before I, I don't know I mean I'm sure he would have got a lot of inspiration from his mother as well you know Tracy Austin is a, a two-time US Open champion so uh I mean what a what a what a key figure to have in your your support camp mm. and, and your life as well. And <laughs> I think what's quite interesting, really, you know, about Brandon Holt, and I guess anyone who watched any of the TV coverage probably heard this this story, but, you know, his career was kind of put on hold a year ago because he was sort of diagnosed with um, something called osteoid, uh, osteoid osteoma. There's a lot of osteos there, um, which is essentially like an extra bone growing in his hand. So uh, giving him a lot of pain. And obviously that's, that's something that maybe could have ended his career. So the fact that after that, you know, he's recovered and, um, you know, went on quite a, a big streak in the ITF events, which has obviously given him a lot of confidence to then qualify for his first slam and get this win, you know, on, on home turf. So, yeah, really, really fantastic um, opportunity for him. He's got uh, Pedro Cachin of Argentina in the next round, which, I mean, if you're going to beat Taylor Fritz at the US Open, that means you you're more, you're more than capable of beating yeah. Pedro Cachin. And I can see him, yeah, getting through to, you know, maybe a third round against van der Zandtrup or something, which, yeah, would be really exciting to see how how far he can go and if he can make, you know, uh, the most of this opportunity. Um, and I guess someone else who's made the most of, of an opportunity uh, would be Daniel Elahi Galan, 
the conqueror of Stefanos Tsitsipas yesterday, <laughs> who also won in four sets. I mean, Galan did well at, I think, was it Wimbledon? He got to, I think, the fourth round. So mm. obviously, you know, has had a really good year. Um, very solid player and not someone you want to underestimate. But the way that this match kind of started, the first two sets, six love, six one, Tsitsipas only winning one game. I think in the first set, Tsitsipas only won seven points in total. Really slow, I sluggish start. understand it, Kim. Yeah, absolutely I bizarre. understand it. Yeah, a really strange uh, start to the match, especially. Yeah, because Galan is a very solid player. But again, we had such high hopes for for Sissipas. And it's it's been a strange season. It's, it's turning into a strange season for Sissipas because his form you know, on the tour has been very, very good. You know, he's won, he's won titles, he's gone deep, he's played well. But bar um, reaching the semi-finals at the Australian Open, his Grand Slam record recently, you know, has not been particularly great. You know, losing to Kyrgios at Wimbledon, now first round at the US Open. It feels like this season has very much been a slight step back, really, I think, for him uh, at Grand Slams on the biggest stage of all. And, um, you know, this was not a result I don't think anyone was expecting. I know there have been a few kind of conversations about whether he was injured because he did, you know, bring the, the trainer out. And again, he also spoke, I think, in his, his press conference about the added pressure of the fact that, that Zverev wasn't there, Djokovic wasn't there. You know, this is a real big opportunity for him to not only win the US Open, but uh, to reach the, the world number one ranking. And perhaps that pressure also got to him a little bit but I wouldn't have thought it would have got to him so much that he went completely off the boil to lose you know his first two sets at a Grand Slam 6-love and 6-1 because that is that feels something way more fundamental I think than than those sorts of things that have been speaking about so perhaps it is you know maybe maybe due to injury but um yeah it wasn't it wasn't a good day was it for uh Patrick Muratoglu in his camp no, I mean, Sitzbass did get treatment from the trainer during changeovers. He was having his arm worked on. So I definitely think there's an injury component to it. Um, you know, and it looked for a time like it could be going to a fifth. You know, Sitzbass was 4-2 up in that fourth set. Um, but yeah, Galan was able to to come back and win like five of the last six games. And just um, Sitzbass, yeah, really, really far from where we know he can be. Uh, perhaps the world number one thing being on the cards got to him but yeah like like you I don't think that would have been that the main concern I mean Casper Ruud could be world number one there's there's a few players that depending on results and what have you could could end up with that ranking at the end of the tournament but I think Sitsipas to you know with this match coming up against a really superb uh, performance from Galan as well in in his main draw debut as well um you know he's he's qualified he didn't drop a set in qualifying and um, yeah, I mean, good for him. Good for Galan. And, and this really isn't a major that Sitspass has ever particularly done that well at. He's never reached the round of 16 here. So he doesn't like the US Open very much uh, so far in his his young career, um, which, you know, I guess considering like he had that that cor- uh, win, uh, loss even against Borna Koric two years ago, didn't he? Um, and then last year against Alcaraz. So yeah, probably US Open, not not his most favourite tournament at the moment. Um, and another player, actually, Joel, who has never really done sort of super well at, at the US Open. I think she's reached a semi-final previously, but um, never gone beyond that. It's Simona Halep, who I think you might have predicted to win the tournament. Uh, <laughs> and as some yes. other people did in collector set as well. So, um, mm. I mean, I can see why. She had won 19 of her past 22 matches, including the Toronto title. But yeah, lost. Uh, Simona Halep lost in three sets to qualifier Daria Snigur of Ukraine. Uh, 6-2, love 6-6-4. Six, six, this uh, was Snigur's first tour-level win. So a bit like Brandon Holt, you know, first time at, at a Grand Slam, first tour-level win, full stop. Um, what did you make of this? Uh, you know, bizarre, absolutely kind of, um, yeah, a bit of a bizarre scoreline, you know, Halep kind of bageling in that second set. You kind of thought, oh, she's got the hang of it now. But no, Snigor would, would not go away in that third set. Yeah. And uh, even though I think, you know, Snigor in that third set hurried towards the finish line and Halep was 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 coming back at her, at her. I think it was 5-1. Halep managed to get it back to to five four five four, but but Snugur really 
yeah just closed it out and she's got such an unorthodox game kim it really reminds me of the, the way she kind of loads up for her, her ground strokes in the back of the court reminds me a little bit of barbora krachikova but then when i look at her service action it reminds me of like suwe suwe in terms of yeah it's a little bit you wouldn't necessarily see that in the in the training manual and um it was you know it proved very very effective you know she's a wimbledon junior champion she's been able to do it um you know on the junior circuit so it was great to see her come and and get such a, an amazing you know win and i think you know part of that was to do i think she was you know inspired by the situation at the moment being from ukraine um and really kind of bring it out onto the a tennis court cuz i was reading that she, her practice base was bombed uh in in ukraine I think a few, you know, a few months ago. So it just shows the, you know, the level of of adversity and the challenges she's had to deal with. I think over the last few months. But you know, to come here to the U.S. Open where you're facing someone as proven on a Grand Slam stage as Simona Halep, a player who is very consistent. We don't really associate her with going out too often. At, you know, at, at round one stage. Yes, it has happened in the past, but to a qualifier, yeah, this was this was a pretty devastating loss I think for for Halep whose form was just so erratic you know to to bagel a player and then lose you know two other sets yeah there were there were big momentum shifts there and uh it's it, it baffles me because you know I thought you know her and Muratoglu they were getting on great they had put some really good wins together 19 of her past 22 matches had ended in victories but, you know, on the grand stage, unfortunately, it's not developed into anything more than turning up into round one and then losing to a qualifier. Yeah. And, you know, her serve was broken five times. She hit a lot of unforced. It was just mm. not a good day on the court. And you did kind of feel when Snigger went 5-1 up in that third set, you thought, oh, um, and Halep got those like three games back, took it back to, you know, 5-4. And you thought, oh, is this going to be like Snigger collapsing? Is Halep going to gonna pull mm. it off? But yeah. Just clung on to that. Hope, I know, yeah, but I mean, because I feel like a lot of people really want and wanted Halep to to do super well here, get you know first hard court slam. Um, like normally, she is very consistent, and as far as we're aware, we, she doesn't have sort of an injury issue going on. Like she's been in really good form. So this one, very surprising. Um, and I know that normally when we have like a top seed in the women's game or big name going out early, it's perhaps not that much of a shock but I felt this with this one it kind of was um so mm. yeah really was not expecting that one at all um and hopefully she'll be able to kind of I don't know analyze and assess what went wrong out there but fair play to Daria Snugger very emotional win for her like you said what with the, the war in Ukraine um her first big win what a place to do it and against you know such an opponent so absolute credit to Snigger and if she can keep it up you know the seeds have fallen in, in her little section of the draw so perhaps mm, she can she can go very, further very open hasn't it definitely mm. and I mean talking about you know top seeds going out we have had the 10th seed on the women's side go out yesterday as well um, but what's I guess most remarkable about this um, result for a lot of our listeners who are based in the UK is that Harriet Dart was the victor here. Uh, so Daria Kazakina being knocked out by Harriet Dart. Uh, really, really, really close first set. Went down to the wire in the tie break. I think it was 10-8 in that tie break. Took over an hour to get there. Very hot and humid conditions. Not not great. I think Kazakina was was ill on the court. So obviously struggling quite a bit. Um, and then, yeah, Kazakina racing through that second set was a breakup in the third. You kind of thought, oh, she's got this. You know, Dart's done well, but she's probably going to fade in, in three. <laughs> that's that's ex <laughs> that is exactly that is exactly what I thought. I thought, I know. oh, she's given a good she's given a good show, and then yeah, she I think mm. she went a breakdown early in in that third set, and you just thought, Classic. good good <laughs> competitive performance, but unfortunately not gonna. Yeah take the win today but you know she again was very very resilient and I do feel at times during that third set it, it did come down to who just wanted it more because the conditions were so punishing I mean there were times as well I thought Harriet Dart was looking like she was you know running on fumes and um, I always think you are you're always going to be in with a chance I think with with Kasekina on her service games given 
how slow some of the serves she you know she puts into the court. Um, she's got tremendous variety. Don't get me wrong. From you know her her ground strokes, really able to to mix it up, and you know at times did have Harriet Dart on a you know on a string, but Dart just stuck with her in that third set, and she went from a point you know at the beginning where I was like you know how does, how long is this going to last to 25 minutes later where she was just she was playing the better tennis and to see that from Harriet Dart was it was absolutely fantastic yeah I mean she we know she's had a really good season you know she's cracked the top 100 she got to I think the quarters of Indian Wells a few quarters on the grass as well so I mean it's just yeah great she's she's here as an as an automatic um you know enter at main draw um and, you know, up against Kazakina, who who won the, the Granby title, you know, just a few days ago, perhaps that was playing into it a bit, bit tired. Maybe she shouldn't have played the week before the slam. But Dart, yeah, absolutely just focused on every single point and was gritty and determined throughout the whole the whole match. And I mean, she's got a great opportunity. She's she's now playing Dalma Galfi, uh, who is literally just um ranked like three places different to, to to dart so someone of a very similar like level and ranking so what why why not get another win for for harriet dart if if the circumstances allow and good luck to her because you know she's absolutely earned her place in in the second round with that that win over kazakina who a lot of people you know were kind of tipping to perhaps go deep um so obviously kazakina will, will be disappointed She'll have to look maybe at her scheduling going forwards or, um, you know, having a having a rethink. But yeah, great stuff for Harriet Dart. And to be honest, quite a good day for the Brits generally, wasn't it? Um, with the exception of Carl Edmund, who, you know, was up against Casper Ruud, had a very difficult match, um, succumbed in three sets. He showed, you know, there were flashes there. I watched mm. some of that match and... Mm. You know, it wasn't as you know one-sided as it, it it could have been. You know, he's just coming back onto the tour, and exactly. I think you know there were moments where you know Rude, you know, was was pushed, but yeah, he ultimately had you know just had a little bit too much. But it still was a promising performance, despite I think the straightforward nature of it. Yeah, I think uh, I would agree with your assessment. And um, the other two British lads in action, Jack Draper and Andy Murray, both coming through in straight sets. Um, this was actually Andy Murray's, I think, his first straight sets win at a Grand Slam in, <laughs> in like five years. It confused me, Kim. <laughs> I, I just didn't understand. It was so unproblematic. It just felt so un-Andy Murray. Yeah, I mean, that first set was a bit scratchy, you know, uh, coming and going a little bit. But the second set onwards, very comfortable. You know, Murray went, I think, five love up in the second set. Serendolo was kind of, um, well, I was reading an article and they said he just lost the plot, which I mean, I love that phrase. I love the phrase, <laughs> like, to lose the plot. I think it's great. Um, <laughs> but, and I don't think Serendolo's ever won a match at a Grand Slam. So perhaps, you know, this is mm. this is the reason. I heard that as well. And it's yeah, it surprised me a little bit. But um, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say he, he lost the plot, to be fair. I, I, yeah, again, it's a harsh a article. Bit, <laughs> bit of this. Yeah, I, it, maybe it was written by someone who's very pro Andy Murray. But um, maybe. yeah, I thought Andy Murray, he played he played a very, very good, very, very, very good level of uh, tennis across the three sets again. Very hard conditions. Uh, Serendolo from the back of the court, very tricky player to play against. And um, you know, it was uh, it you know it was tough going. You know, this is what you know, decade on from his you know U.S. Open triumph, and to get a straight sets win over the the twenty fourth seed is you know was very very impressive. And um, you know, it was it was interesting. It wasn't without controversy because in that first set there was a moment when there was a double bounce. That Serendolo got to a ball and won a point, but Andy Murray was like, "Well, that ball double bounced." And we had this bizarre situation came of the replays coming up on the screen for the fans, and it quite clearly showing a double bounce. And Serendolo, to his credit, gave the point to, yeah. to Murray. Mm, very sporting but, of him. Very, yeah. very impressive. But it was weird because the umpire still at this moment just does not have that officially does not have that technology available to them and i feel like this is something i always keep banging on the door about but for instant replays it feels very bizarre that fans are being have got more power or you know to to see something than 
than the umpire who still f- is kind of powerless, like officially to do something unless the, the player steps in. Because Serendolo could have very well, you know, just been like, umpire didn't do anything. You know, it's my point. It was, uh, you know, it was quite a key moment in the, in the first set. So yeah, fortunately, he's a nice bloke. So he yeah, uh, yeah, recognised. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, in these sorts of situations, it shouldn't really be down to whether the fans, you know, um, make a, a bit of a, raucous response to, to the action replay I think we should really have some kind of VAR where the ref can or the umpire can legitimately make a change uh, obviously we have the challenge system but that's only that relates to line calls I don't think it you can use it for obviously like a double bounce situation so I think they should bring in the like that VAR signal like the mm-hmm. player can make yeah to yeah. the umpire just makes it really clear we see it in other sports mm-hmm. it just feels like an easy way to just clear up any sort of controversy and I do think this is still one of the things for me that is a little bit of a a bugbear uh you know on, on the tour is is something that I think is so it is so absolute I think it's quite obvious whether it's it's bounced or it or it, sorry it's double bounced or it hasn't but we're still not in a situation where it's it's just fully conclusive yeah and uh, I mean I don't think this changed the outcome of the entire match no. or anything like that but um it could do like there could be a really critical mm. moment in a final or something where like the crowd get involved and it's a big hoo-ha. So I definitely think the decision-making body should um, look at this. And if you're going to be showing replays like that on the screen um, for all to see, then you've got to have some decision-making capabilities that might come in as a result of that. Um, so perhaps we'll have to watch watch the space on on any developments on that one uh just going back to British players though Joel obviously Andy Murray had a good win Jack Jack Draper also a straight sets win over Emil Roussevori Oja Aliasim next yes FAA next I thought the Roussevori match you know could be could have been maybe a banana skin I thought you know given although Draper's been in really good form you know I, I thought Mm, could this be a, a bit of a, mm. a tricky opener? He but... beat Draper. At, he beat Draper at Queens, so it was a real turnaround, wasn't it? Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean FAA next, who came through against a qualifier from Switzerland, Richard. Oh, this is this is the match we wanted, isn't it? I think. Um, <laughs> I hope it's on a, an agreeable time for for British audiences because mm. that would be a really fun match to to watch. It'd be a very intriguing encounter. And um, yeah, Draper very, very ruthless in his first match um, at the US Open. And uh, yeah, with potential, I, I could see him, I could see him beating FAA, to be quite honest. Not in straight sets, but maybe if it went four. I, I think it could, it has the potential to be a real showcase of, of young gun talent, I think. And um, similar to kind of Carl Edmund, I think, against Kasper Rude. I think this is Jack Draper's opportunity to show what he can do against one of the, you know, the leading, you know, next generation talents, uh, you know, on the on the tour. And um, I don't think there's been there's a better time, I think, for him to to go and show, you know, what he can do. He's had a great season. It's all, I think, build been building up to this moment when he's got the opportunity to cause a real upset. I do think he's unfortunately on the night session as well. I think on on Louis Armstrong, but oh. um, uh, yeah, I'm curious to see. Yeah, when I wake up in the morning, what what that score what that scoreline is going to be? <laughs> yeah, it'll be very intriguing. Uh, just before we touch upon today's results, um, I think for me one of the matches from day one was a certain Tim Van Rijthoven, uh coming back <laughs> yes. from I think it was two sets down. He he came back to win. And a million match points. In five sets. Yeah. I mean, what an absolute star. Uh, <laughs> really, really good stuff. He's playing Casper Rude next. So um, I'm just pleased that his Wimbledon, you know, appearance wasn't, wasn't flashing flash the, the pan. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> He's backed it up. And um, I mean, on another note, uh, I guess the player who is trying to get back up there, Dominic Team, he lost in four sets to PCB. That was always going to be a very tricky opener for for Dominic team and I guess just proof that his level's not where it needs to be yet but I mean I think it was to be fair I thought it was tricky for for Karenu Karen Buster yeah yeah um, you know it went four sets I didn't feel like you know at any moment uh, PCB was was going to lose it he's such a he's such a hard player to to face you know on the hard courts he's obviously done well here previously as has as has Dominic team and you know, I really enjoyed actually watching Dominic team because I felt when I was watching him he was just playing with 
like freedom. You know, there was no, I think, holding back because of injuries, you know, with, with his wrists or, or, or whatever. He just was just letting go. And yeah, I think there were a few too many, you know, unforced errors that ultimately led to, to defeat. But I think it was great to see him just kind of play with that freedom that, um, you know, I think with time and more match play, uh, yeah, I think certainly we'll be seeing him further and further up the rankings. Mm, yeah, I think um, it's got to come with, with time. Surely, slowly but surely. Um, but let's take a short break now. Um, we'll be back in a moment to catch up on all the action from day two so far of the US Open. So uh, do not go anywhere. Welcome back to our US Open round one catch up sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. And let's look back at uh, today's action so far from the US Open. Haven't had a major shock yet, Joel, have we? Um, <laughs> apart from Vadasco losing. Uh, he's oh, a Ostapenko. Oh, yeah. Is that a shock? I mean, Chin mm. Wenjeng's uh, not there. Mm, yeah. No, I don't I mean, think She's a dark a horse, I think, now. <laughs> like, she she had a, yeah, that was a very, very good win. I mean, the 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 handshake, as always, left a little bit <laughs> frosty. To, be desired yes uh, Ostapenko just wanted to get off the court she was already on her side of the net I think before giving the handshake so uh yeah she wasn't particularly happy but um quite an entertaining match that one I mean just on the women's side Joel big shot Muguruza won I mean we were all <laughs> predicting Clara Torsen to win that one and Muguruza mm. has, has won which I mean, is does this mean? Am I getting carried away? But does this mean she, she's now just going to go and win the whole caboodle because she's got through? Well, we say one this round. every time, Kim. But I, I you, we can't. I just don't think we can say that. I just think very much at the mo- moment with with Muguruza that I think she was a player. Like I would say, like Kvitova, where she could just go on a run and and win a tournament. And Kvitova has, you know, has shown that. You know, she got to the. She got to the final of uh, what was it? She got to the final of Cincinnati, didn't she? Like a you know, was it Cincinnati uh, or Toronto? I think it was, was it Toronto. Halep, yeah, I think, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think with Muguruza now, we just got to take, based on the season she had, we just got to take one match at a time. And uh, it was a very good win against Clara Torson. You know, both players very very big hitting. That second set was very very tight. Torsen arguably should have pushed it to to a third, but yeah, Muguruza. I was impressed with, you know, given all the losses she's had this season. I just thought, you know, she's just been so fragile that I thought Torsen was just gonna to break through. And you, you did feel that if she had nabbed that second set, she would have had all of the the momentum and, and maybe have run away with it. So for Muguruza to get that done in in two sets and in a tiebreak in that second set, yeah, was very very impressive even though on paper, as the night seed, you'd have expected her to come through anyway. Yeah, just a correction. You were right. Kvitova did reach the final of Cincinnati. Was I uh, right? Lost okay. to Garcia. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know why I thought it was the other one. So apologies, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> um, I mean, Svantec is through comfortably today as well. Perhaps we thought she might have a bit of a bogey match given her recent form but yeah comfortable over jasmine paulini six three six mm. love she um yeah had really good rhythm she was very happy i think with her her performance in um in the first round so perhaps she's just gonna zone into old spiontek mode i don't know uh, early days i love the fact i was reading she has now got a bagel she's now uh, sorry secured a bagel in all of the first round matches uh she's played at Grand Slam level this year. So she's dished out four bagels in four round one matches, um, including against Paulini. So, uh, yeah, she's back to kind of, yeah, those, that formidable Sviontek. I mean, Paulini on her date, yes, can be a little bit tricky, but yeah, Sviontek just a bit too much. I think we're all now looking forward to Sviontek Sloane Stevens second round. Sloane Stevens coming through Greet Minnan today, had a very, very slow start, was... <laughs> Got broken, got broken again, was five love down, lost the first set 6-1, um, but then kind of found her rhythm and um, yeah, came through 6-3, 6-3 in sets two and three. But um, yeah, really intriguing matchup now between, you know, a former US Open champion in, in Sloane Stevens 
and the world number one, Iga Svantec. Yeah, and a potential future US Open champion. I mean, I thought it was interesting. Mm. Svantec in her post-match interview was saying that in other tournaments, when they the top seeds have buys in the first round, you know, you're coming in and your first match is against someone who's already, you know, played a match or, you know, if it's a qualifier, a couple of matches. I mean, obviously you can play a qualifier in the first round of a slam as well. But she was saying kind of when you're at a slam and you're just in the first round proper and your other opponent is also playing their first match, it's, it's more of a level playing field. Whereas the regular events mm. on the tour where as the top seed you're coming in with a bye, you know, you might come up against someone who's like super tuned in from that, like just having played another match already perhaps there's an argument you know just to get rid of buys at like the 1000 events 500s etc um i know it's been raised before but perhaps you know some players would benefit and we know with the depth of the women's game that it's obviously a, you know the first round you can be up against some cracking opposition so you probably really want to to be as honed in as you can be but yeah just a, i thought an interesting um point maybe that i don't know I know it's been raised before, but yeah, maybe uh, maybe going forwards, they'll uh, maybe they could trial it. Um, but yeah, l- let's look at some other results from the women's side today. Uh, Carolina Pliskova is through. Uh, that was a last set tie break. She had to uh, to win that on against Magda Lynette, who did lead four one in the third set. Um, Pliskova also was up in that tie break, uh, and then you know, she, I think seven two up in the tie break. Lynette came back to 8-7 in the tie break and then Pliskova grabbed the last three points. So that really could have gone either way. Right old tussle uh, for the former finalist. And um, Wimbledon champion, Elena Rabakina. I I don't know if this is like a big shock. I I wouldn't necessarily say it is, but she's out in the first round. I mean, how often have we seen this where we have a new slam champion and the next slam that they're a goner immediately? What what do you think was the 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 main factor behind Rabakina's defeat today? Yeah, she's just not really kicked on, has she? Since you know Wimbledon, it's it's been interesting hearing her talk about you know her not being treated you know like a Grand Slam champion, and we've seen that in the you know the tournaments she's played in, even the even the U.S. Open. And I agree, you know that's that's no way to treat a current. Grand Slam champion and I think it was unfortunate you know she didn't get any ranking points from you know Wimbledon that would have propelled her up the you know up the rankings and sorry to butt in Joel but that wouldn't have stopped her losing from someone like Clara Burrell who is not seeded uh you know so I don't know I I feel that her losing so uh to to Clara Burrell who yes is I think at one point was lauded as being fairly up and coming but I don't mm. know if we've really seen enough of her to to say that much, but I don't know. I, I'm I'm still was expecting more. I know it's difficult, isn't it, when there's pressure and attention on you, but I'm a bit saddened that Rebecca has not done better here. I think for me, yeah, I still think like the just not being treated, you know, like a, a Grand Slam champion and again, not having the ranking points, I think for me maybe had a more of a mental impact mm. in terms of, you know, how she, you know, I think, you know, she would have probably been thinking about becoming a Grand Slam champion all her life, building up to this moment and thinking, you know, once it happens, I'm going to have the, you know, the red carpet rolled out for me at all the tournaments. All the tournaments are going to want me to play. I'm going to get my choosing of, uh, you know, primetime slots to, to play and showcase my brand of tennis. But it really hasn't happened, you know, for Rybakina. And I think that has surprised her, you know, based on, you know, the, the the interviews that she's given to to press and I think it's mentally affecting her when she goes out onto the court where I get that she's probably a bit frustrated in terms of how she's being treated and I think we're seeing that in her games and I don't think you know we've seen tennis that is to me far beyond you know what you know I've seen of of Clara Burrell who granted as you know junior was a junior world number one but I think is still you know adapting to you know the the w the wta tour at the very you know highest level yeah but for me kind of with right back and i just wonder if how she's being treated is affecting her mentally and that's why we're seeing these results um happen early on in the tournaments yeah i know i get that point i just also feel that maybe i'm being harsh but i feel that you know that was the situation there's a lot of players who could have benefited from having ranking points you know heather watson for one like getting to the fourth round 
that would have yeah. boosted her ranking. Maybe she wouldn't have had to yeah. have qualified here, or, which she obviously failed to do so. And maybe, you know, you kind of just have to accept that and act. Although you're a Grand Slam champion, that doesn't suddenly mean you should go around being like, oh, look at me, I'm a Grand Slam champion. Like, you should behave with the same, like, humility and just get on with your game like you always have. So I, I don't, I don't know. I'm sort of a bit sceptical. I think it's more the fact that there would be the pressure and everyone's saying, oh, yeah, she won Wimbledon, didn't she? Look at her. We're mm. expecting a lot. So that's sort of my angle um, f- from it. But I mean, there's some other players today that I thought we might see winning and they haven't. Um, Bernarda Perra, actually, who, you know, is not a seed or anything, but I, I figured that, like, I don't know, I just kind of thought that she would be a player that she's had yeah. some good form. She won her first title this summer, um, but she lost to Kalanina. Um, so that was not to be. I know you had your eye on Linda Noskova as well. She lost to <laughs> Buskova. Well, the two Lindas. The Tale two of two Lindas. <laughs> yeah, because Linda Fruvertova. She won. Yeah, she's a really, really exciting prospect. I watched her um, at Wimbledon Qualies. Um, yeah, she came through 6-3, 6-4. But it was, yeah, Tale of two Lindas, wasn't it? With Noskova losing in three sets um but yeah through vertiva is you know for me again a player i would go go and watch uh you know if i'm at a tournament and she's playing i would go watch her because i think she is another talent to look forward to for the future and she seems to be developing very very nicely yeah no absolutely good stuff she has got muguruza next round so that will be an intriguing encounter Mm. uh jesse pagula also won comfortably um and I think that Sabalenka also comes to win, but she's got Kanepi next, so that could go oh. either way. I think you wouldn't want to be a tennis ball in Kanepi Sabalenka, would you? No, you get absolutely blasted out <laughs> of the court. Um, Venus Williams has just lost. I've seen that come in uh, to Alison van Utvank. Um, but the rest of the main action, yeah, later on today, we've got, um, I mean, we've got Emma Raducanu playing at midnight against Elise Cornet. You were, um, I guess, a bit... Dismissive. Sh- well, well, you were kind of shocked that she wasn't on Arthur Ashe, uh, were you not? Yeah, I was actually. She's a you know, current US Open champion. I understand Naomi Osaka is also a US Open champion and, you know, against Danielle Collins, home American. But yeah, I've got a little bit of a bone to pick there because I think... If I'm being really brutally honest, and, and I know some of our listeners might not like to hear this, but for me, Naomi Osaka is is a part-time player at the moment, and I don't think she should be rewarded with just going on to the you know the night session um, on on Arthur Ashe to you know to have her you know her match against Danielle Collins. I think you know it should be a, re- a reward, and I think Raducanu as a reward of, of of being U.S. Open champion from last year, the current. US Open champion. I think she deserves the right to be, you know, having that main stage. And I don't feel like it would come down to TV ratings. I feel like both Raducanu and Osaka are box office. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily buy that argument either. So I'm a little bit like surprised that Raducanu's been shunted to to Louis Armstrong. But um, yeah, it's still going to be a very, very tough match for her. It was quite interesting to see our collector set predictions from all our listeners because there were quite a few including myself who've got her being defeated in in round one um by Cornet. i think it's going to be a very very tough very very tough matchup for her it's still going to be a very tough matchup i think for naomi osaka and you know i could there is part of me kim that thinks that both the highest you know both those players could could go out to uh to Cornet and Collins. Yeah, I can see Collins winning. I think that's, you know, although she is a home player, I can see that that's why they've elected that one to be on Ash because mm. I do think they feel that it could be a really close encounter that Collins could get the win. Um, but I would agree. I think Emma, as the defending champion, I mean, certainly at Wimbledon, they they do put the defending champion on the main court. I do think Emma should have been rewarded with, with that as her opening match. But, I, you know, sometimes you, you have to to deal with the the schedule and what other matches um you've got on there um we've got Rafa opening up the Arthur Ashe um night match against Rinky Hitchcock of Australia so um obviously that's that's prior to the Osaka match I'm hoping Rafa will will have a good a good victory touch wood um it's a <laughs> yeah a bit of a, an annoying time because I I can't I don't think I can 
stay up <laughs> and get zero sleep. I'm I'm too old for that these days. <laughs> but I mean, what going back to Raducanu, um, you know, who are you picking for that one? Because it's going to be very tough, isn't it? Yeah. I'm going to go Lise Cornet in three sets. Yeah. I think Raducanu will bring it, but I think Cornet will bring it as well. Mm. And um, yeah, I think both are going to play like quality tennis. I think it's going to be... Uh, I think it could be one of the, you know, the matches of, of round one, uh, you know, and we've had a few already. Um, but certainly for me, I think it's it's going to be very tough. And I think Raducanu is going to need to bring her A game if she wants to to see it through. Yeah, well, she brought it in 2021. So let's hope she can do it again. I mean, <laughs> Cornet true. in good form, you know, reaching the semis, I think, in Tennis in the Land last week. Mm. Uh, remarkably, this is her 63rd uh, successive Grand Slam appearance. So... Bit of a Feliciano Lopez, but for the ladies, mm. isn't she? <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, we'll have to to see. We'll we'll have to round that one up in our round two catch up because, um, you know, all of that's happening after we finish recording uh, later on today. Let's just quickly look ahead to tomorrow's schedule. We've got Andy Murray opening up again on uh, well on Arthur Ashe this time. Uh, Coco Goff is in action. The night session is Serena Williams against Contevay and then Daniel Medvedev against Arthur Rindeneck. Uh, we've also got Zachary and Keys in action, Kyrgios again, Draper FAA, and then that Haddad Meyer Andrescu match. Oh, really? That Louis Armstrong, mm. Louis Armstrong evening session is looking very Solid. tasty with uh, yeah. Yeah, Draper FAA, Haddad Meyer Andrescu. Oh, yeah, very, very good. One final thing, Kim, before we finish this episode our collector set picks. We've got to, we're going to announce them. Oh, yes. We're going to announce them to our listeners. And I, I know it's going to sound weird because some of these are just, are just they're just redundant now, aren't they? Yeah, a third of them are pretty much redundant. <laughs> so apologies for that. <laughs> you know who to blame. Um, yeah, I will. let. Well, let's start with, with your picks, Joel. So we had Medvedev, Fritz, okay. Alcaraz, Emma Raducanu, Halep and Garcia as our uh, yes. collector set this, this so, year. I've got Medvedev round four. Oh. I think he's going to lose to Nick Kyrgios. Kyrgios. Uh, I had Taylor Fritz getting to the quarterfinals. So we can chalk that one off. <laughs> Carlos Alcaraz round three. Um, I think he faces Borna Chorich uh, in round three. And I've got Chorich coming through that. I've got Raducanu in round one. Um, big Emma fan, but yep. Yeah, sorry, Emma. Um, Simona Halep champion. That uh, aged well. <laughs> yes and uh caroline garcia i've got getting to the quarterfinals yeah no i've some some good picks in there i mean i mm. have daniel method for the semi-finals i've got him to to overcome nick Kyrgios. um okay. although i may live to regret that uh taylor fritz i had in the final so wow. that's even worse <laughs> uh carlos alcaraz quarterfinal which i think i know i am aware that that differs from the predictions i made <laughs> in our preview episode where i said alcaraz was going to win the tournament um i've revised that maybe for my steward's inquiry why why has that happened we're allowed to have different predictions for collector <laughs> set <laughs> um emma i'm sticking with round one sorry i hope i'm wrong on that one uh halep i had for the quarters and Garcia, I've got for round three because I think she is going to lose to Haddad Meyer or possibly Andrescu. No, oh, okay. I yeah. hope I hope I'm wrong. Haddad Meyer has I know. I don't I would not want to be facing Haddad Meyer in the no, form she's in. Not so, right uh, now. Yes, uh, we'll have to wait and see how that unfolds. And we'll have to wait and see how Emma Raducanu gets on against Elise Cornet in the night session this evening. But listeners, I hope you've enjoyed our round one, round by round catch up at the US Open. Remember to subscribe to us on whatever device you listen to us on to stay up to date on all the action at Flushing Meadows over the next couple of weeks. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all major podcasting platforms out there. You can also listen to us on the downloadtennis.com app and if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave us a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Tennis Weekly Pod. So do give us a like and a follow. Send us all your thoughts and feedback and comments or any questions you've got for our mailbag. Uh, if you prefer, you can email us as well at tennisweeklypod at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our website, www.tennisweekly.co.uk. And we will be back on Thursday at Tennis Weekly HQ to catch up on all the action from round two 
at the US Open. So I hope you can join us for that. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Kim. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We will see you again soon. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.